Chair, staff is ready when you are. Thank you. Good evening and welcome to the January, the February 7th, 2024 Disability Advisory Commission meeting. This meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call a roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute for roll call. Commissioner Kramer? Here. Commissioner Lim? Is absent. Commissioner Mercer? Present. Commissioner Smith? Is absent. Commissioner Tucson Boyd? Present. Vice Chair Crowley? Present. Chair McMillan? Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you wish to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You'll have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first agenda, we will no longer accept speaker slips. We will now, now proceed with today's agenda. If you are able, please stand with me for the land acknowledgement. To the people of this land, the Nisi Non people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, the Putwin Wintoon peoples, and the people of the Walton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the act of practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's histories, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Commissioner Mercer, will you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, please? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. The first item on today's agenda is the Commission staff report, oral report. You have a report for us here, Mr. Garthen. Yeah, thank you, Chair McMillan. So yeah, for the staff report out, um, I had two staff contact me with items they thought would be of interest to the commission and that uh, maybe some specific commissioners had reached out to me about. So I'd first like to call Jennifer Donlan Wyatt uh, to the podium uh, to give an update on shared writables. Thank you, Jesse, Commissioner McMillan and commissioners. My name is Jennifer Donlan Wyatt. I'm the transportation planning manager for the city of Sacramento. I've been before this commission a number of times, uh, particularly around shared writables and the DAC was instrumental in developing our most recent regulations in 2021. And as part of those regulations, we required that shared writable companies include on their devices in braille and raised text, the name of the company, their phone number and their device number. We learned that one of the operators in the city of Sacramento was not complying with our regulations. And after attempts to get them to comply, we suspended their permit. 
Uh, that got their attention. And I'm happy to say that after their suspension, they removed all of the devices. We worked with them to meet our requirements. Uh, worked with the Society for the Blind to make sure that the Braille and raised text was in a manner that was acceptable to folks with visual impairment. Um, and uh, Cassandra, who is part of my team, who is also here today, uh, we went to the warehouse and inspected all their devices, and the devices now meet city regulations as well as state law that was effective in, in January uh, for shared rideable devices to have Braille and raised text. And I thought this was important to share with you because I know that you had interest and that you helped develop those regulations. So that is my update. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, also, um, I believe there was some interest in the uh, planning for Sutter's Regional Park. And so Dana Rapon is here um, with the Age-Friendly Action Plan, but she also offered to give an update uh, regarding the um, plan. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, good evening, Chair McMillan and Commissioners. My name is Dana Repan, Senior Planner with Youth Parks and Community Enrichment. And yes, so I did want to share with you that we are doing an update to the Sutter's Landing Regional Park Site Plan. Um, this is a beginning stages to the uh, update process. Um, as you may be aware, this is a large regional park. We have uh, recently acquired about 30 or so acres um, to the parkland uh, within the last five years. So we wanted to develop a park plan that reflects the new acreage and also the existing parkland there that we want to see maybe add some more recreation facilities um, that reflects what people are, are, are interested in at the park um, today and in the future. So we're doing a site plan update for a, a vision of what that park could look like. Um, we will be developing a concept plan that we're gonna share with the community. Probably within the next couple months, we'll get that out for the community to comment on. Um, so you'll hear about that within the next couple months. Um, in line with that, we have also received a planning grant. Um, this is from the Wildlife Conservation Board um, last year. So this was late last year, we received the grant to do planning for an ADA access trail. So this access trail would be um, connecting a future concession stand building within the uh, park itself to the American River Parkway. So this is um, adjacent to the park within the parkway at the American River. Um, currently there's just social trails that access the um, park to the water and we're trying to get a um, formalized ADA access trail so that people can take their recreation, their um, either their stand-up paddle boards or their kayaks or whatever, um, down to the water on a ADA access trail. So we're working on the planning for that trail at this moment. So look forward to more updates on that as that progresses. So I'm, I'm here to answer any questions if you have any. And also if I can take this moment, um, I'll be here next month to share with you that we're releasing the city's park plan uh, 2040. So I'll share with you more information on how to access the parks plan um, when that's released in March. So look for me next month. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. Okay, um, moving on to the next item. Oh, I got a couple more. Oh, you, you do? Yeah, okay. so real quick, uh, just a reminder that uh, to provide your Tim Haley Award nomination, there was three uh, candidates um, uh, nominated and approved at the last meeting. So. Uh, Brandy's collecting, or Commissioner Tucson Boyd is collecting that information so I can be the conduit 
if uh, you haven't provided already. I know I sent some links out earlier today. And then um, don't forget the PPE presentation is Tuesday, uh, coming up at 11 a.m. And so I'll be coordinating with Chair McMillan on that presentation. I've uh, been informed that they're typically five to 10 minutes, so we wanna um, you know, shoot for that when we're before the committee. And um, also, I sent an email out about RSS feeds, so if you're having issues accessing the agendas or wanna know when the meeting minutes are posted, um, I find that that link to the RSS feeds is, is, a, is a great way to get notified. So you can reach out to me individually if you're having trouble using that or locating those. So um, that's all I have. Okay. Thank you. Um, I, see, I see a commissioner wish to speak, but I'm just going to get on to the next. Um, I just want to get the uh, next item done. And it's to um, pass a motion approving the minutes from the January 24th meeting. If I could get someone to motion that. I move that we approve the minutes. Second. Mo Crowley, second. We get a vote on the approval of the minutes, please. Uh, thank you, Chair. I just wanted to note that I have no speaker slips on the minutes item from the consent calendar. Commissioners, please unmute for roll call vote. Commissioner Kramer? Aye. Commissioner Lim is absent. Commissioner Mercer? Aye. Commissioner Smith is absent. Commissioner Tucson Boyd? Aye. Vice Chair Crowley? Aye. Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Tuzon Boyd, I didn't mean to shut you off there. If you had a comment, can it wait till Commissioner comments? Or your question? All right. Thank you. Um, next up on the discussion comment is... Uh, the draft work zone and event detour policy. Have a staff presentation on that. Oh, I do. I'll move it to after the Smith one here. All right, good evening, commissioners. Thank you for having us here tonight. My name is Cassandra Cortez, and I'm a transportation planner with the City of Sacramento and the Department of Public Works. And tonight, I'll be providing an overview of the draft work zone and event detour policy for the commissioners to review and comment. So for tonight's agenda, we'll start off by discussing, one, what is the work zone and event detour policy, and why is this an important effort? And then we'll review the proposed accommodations, both for people walking and for people biking. And then lastly, we'll have time for questions and discussions at the end. So to start off, I'll define what is a work zone in a special event. So a work zone is an area of traffic that is experiencing construction, maintenance, or utility work activities. And typically, folks will know that they're in a work zone because it's marked by signs, channeling devices, and pavement markings. Whereas a special event is an organized activity that's taking place on public right away, so a street, an alley or a sidewalk, and it's an organized assembly of 50 or more people. 
So when this uh, policy is approved by council, it'll specify when and where facilities for people who are walking or for people who are biking may be relocated, detoured, modified, or closed. And this guidance will apply to all sidewalks and streets on which it is legally allowed for people to bike or for people to walk. And this policy will apply to the construction sponsor who is performing the construction work or groups who are hosting the special events. And overall, the goal of this effort is to prevent detours as much as possible and maintain mobility, accessibility, and connectivity for people who are walking, people who are biking, and people with disabilities. So the outcomes of this policy will result in more direct, convenient, and comfortable paths of travel through work zones and special events. And it's also important that we center what we mean when we say people walking and people biking, as this policy is designed to center the, um, people with disabilities. So by people walking, we mean walking using wheelchairs and walkers or other assistive devices that can be used on a sidewalk. And by people bicycling, we mean people who use traditional bicycles, electric bicycles, adaptive bicycles, and more. So before we review the proposed accommodations, I want to quickly review what is the di difference between a diversion and a detour. So a diversion can be applied for facilities both designed for people walking and biking. And a diversion is an ADA-compliant passage for people who are walking or biking that is adjacent to the work area. And a detour can also be applied to facilities for people who are walking and biking. And a detour is a sidewalk or a bikeway closure that is adjacent to the work area but has clear signage, warnings, and ADA-compliant barricades that is directing people who are walking or people who are biking to alternative routes. So now I'll provide an overview of the proposed accommodations for people who are walking. And again, this includes people who use assistive devices such as wheelchairs, walkers, and more. So our first proposed accommodation for people who are walking is the sidewalk diversion. And a sidewalk diversion is a temporary and protected walking route that is adjacent to the sidewalk, but it may be placed in a parking lane, a travel lane, or a bikeway. And the picture on the right is depicting an example of a sidewalk diversion. This is an example of a sidewalk diversion that's taking place on 7th Street, where the sidewalk is closed, but there's a walking route with physical barriers in the parking lane. And in the draft policy, a sidewalk diversion must include a physical barrier that separates people who are walking and traffic, and must maintain six feet of clear width for walking access. And in the draft policy, a sidewalk diversion is required for long-term stationary work or special events that are lasting five or more days, and is a preferred accommodation for intermediate term stationary work, short term stationary daytime work, and lastly, short, um, short duration work. And an important thing to note in our applicability is that there may be different accommodations if a work zone or a special event is taking place in certain areas of the city. So this includes the central city on a vision zero high injury network corridor within a quarter mile of light rail stop, major transit corridors, which is defined as 15 minute service and headways, and lastly, commercial corridors. Another accommodation in our draft policy is the use of covered walkways. And this picture on the right is illustrating an example of a covered walkway, which is an overhead structure over the existing sidewalk. And a covered walkway is considered a sidewalk diversion. And the draft policy requires the use of covered walkways when there's either overhead danger present for long-term stationary work or in locations with high pedestrian volumes. And our last accommodation specifically for people who are walking is the sidewalk detour, which is directing people who are walking to an alternative route due to a work zone or a special event. 
And this picture above is illustrating an example of a sidewalk detour where the sidewalk is closed and there is signage that directing people to walk across the street to complete the detour. And in the draft policy, it's important to note that sidewalk detour should only be used as a last resort. And if approved, a sidewalk detour should not last longer than five days. Additionally, the draft policy requires sidewalk detours to comply with accessibility requirements, including advanced notification of the detour. The draft policy includes example sheets for groups who are developing a temporary traffic control plan to reference, including the appropriate signage and placement so people are appropriately alerted and directed to their accommodation. So this sheet is illustrating a sidewalk detour where there is signage that the sidewalk is closed and the person who is walking should cross the street to complete the sidewalk detour. Additionally, the, street, um, the sheet is illustrating a sidewalk diversion where there is a parking lane closed to accommodate a walking route on the same path of travel. This is another sheet in our draft policy and it is a crosswalk closure and a pedestrian detour. And in this example, there's a sidewalk closure and signage that is directing people to cross the street to complete the detour, as well as the placement of a temporary crosswalk. So now I'll move on to our proposed accommodations for people who are bicycling. And again, by people bicycling, we mean the traditional bicycle, as well as cargo bikes, e-trikes, or adaptive bicycles. So the first proposed accommodation for people who are bicycling is the use of a bikeway diversion. And a bikeway diversion includes shifting the bikeway by either closing a parking lane or a travel lane to accommodate a bikeway on the same street. And this picture on the right is demonstrating an example of a bikeway diversion where the bikeway is closed, but the bikeway has been shifted on the same roadway. And in the draft policy, a bikeway diversion is required for long-term stationary work, intermediate-term stationary work, and short-term stationary work. It's also important to note that a bikeway diversion requires a certain bikeway according to the speed and average daily traffic volumes of a street where the diversion is taking place. So this means if a street has a higher speed or a higher average daily traffic volume, there must be a lower stress bikeway to accommodate people bicycling. And the draft policy also includes example sheets that a temporary traffic control plan may reference for a bikeway diversion. So in these examples, in these two sheets, the example used is a one-way street that has two travel lanes where the parking lane is closed and the travel lanes are shifted to provide an accommodated bikeway on the same roadway. The sheet on the left is demonstrating accommodated a separated bikeway where the sheet on the right is demonstrating accommodating a standard bike lane. And in these examples, a person bicycling would continue their path of travel through the work zone or special event through the accommodated bikeway. And the sheet in the draft policy is also demonstrating a two-way street with one travel lane in each direction. And in this example, the parking lane is closed and the travel lanes are shifted to provide the accommodated bike lane. And again, similar to the last example, a person who is bicycling would be able to continue their path of travel through a work zone or special event through this accommodated bikeway. And this is the last example for a bikeway diversion. This sheet is illustrating a one-way street with two travel lanes where the parking lane and the rightmost travel lane is closed to provide an accommodated bikeway on the same street. Another accommodation in the draft policy is sharing the general purpose travel lane. And this is allowed in the policy for mobile work that moves intermittently or continuously. It's also important to note that this accommodation, sharing the general purpose travel lane, is not the most preferred alternative in the draft policy. And this accommodation should only be used if there's not sufficient space to shift or divert the existing bikeway.
And for sharing the general purpose travel lane, the draft policy includes example sheets of a bike lane closure where a person who's bicycling would be directed to merge into the general purpose travel lane. The sheet on the left is demonstrating the signage for a street with a speed limit of 35 miles per hour or more. And the sheet on the right is demonstrating the appropriate signage for a street with a speed limit of 30 miles per hour or less. And the last proposed accommodations for people who are bicycling is the use of bikeway detours. And in the draft policy, bikeway detours should only be used as a last resort. And they should only be used when there's not enough space for a bikeway diversion or sharing the general purpose travel lane is not a possible accommodation. And when bikeway detours are used, the detour should parallel the existing facility and the distance of the detour should be minimized as much as possible. And in the draft policy, I'd like to highlight several important considerations for bikeway closures and accommodations. So the first being is that accommodated bikeway should be five feet minimum in width but six feet preferred in width. Additionally, any signage, channeling devices, and barriers should be kept clear of bikeways or other paths of travel. Second, advance notification must be provided with sufficient length when a bikeway is closed so that when people are bicycling, they are appropriately alerted and aware of any closures and accommodations. The third being that traffic control plans must in that include bikeway closures must have a posted speed limit of 25 miles per hour or less. And the last being is that all bicycling-related signage that must be permanent in the TCP as other signage would be. And the very last accommodation is both for people who are walking and people who are biking, and it's using spotters for intermittent closures. So intermittent closures that result in a bikeway or a sidewalk that is closed intermittently may include spotters at both ends of the facilities. And in this case, it may not be necessary to establish an alternative route that is impacted by short-term work zones or a special event if someone who is walking or someone who is biking can navigate safely through that. And important considerations when developing a temporary traffic control plan, when a work zone or a special event is taking place, the sponsor who is hosting must submit and receive approval of their TCP before any work or special event may take place. Second, all TCPs must follow the most recent edition of the California MUTCD. And lastly, to ensure that Residents are aware of any closures. Sponsors must let city staff know of any closures so that we can inform folks through our listservs of any detours, diversions, or closures. And finally, there are some uh, considerations I'd like to leave you all with before we jump into our questions and comment portion. Um, first is that this policy will likely result in an increased cost to development and special events. And second, to ensure that projects are aware of the expectations for work zones. Development projects will be alerted as early as possible in the process to ensure awareness and transparency. And lastly, this policy is not final. Um, we hope to gather the commissioner's input tonight to inform our final draft policy. And lastly, we would like to point out PROAG, or the Public Right-of-Way Accessibility Guidelines, was published roughly around the same time that this draft policy was published. And city staff are reviewing PROAG right now to ensure policy um, com compliance with PROAG. So that's all I have for tonight. I want to thank you all for having me, and thank you for listening to our presentation, and I'm happy to answer any questions you all may have. Thank you. Um, are there any members of the public who wish to comment on this presentation? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips uh, for this item. Okay, well, thank, well thank, thanks for the presentation, and um, we always appreciate um, what our city does for people with disabilities. Um, I'd, 
I want to bring up some things about um, inclusive language, possibly, and I'll defer to some of my uh, more informed uh, commissioners here. Um, you know, the word pedestrian it means someone who's walking or running. That's the dictionary version of it. California law version of a pedestrian is someone who is walking or using a wheelchair, motorized or manual. You use the word walking a lot in this presentation and in the policy. Um, I think that pedestrian, the word pedestrian might be a more inclusive word. Uh, walking kind of excludes people who cannot walk. So there's a few places in here where, you know, accommodation for those walking, um, maybe it should say accommodation for, the, for, for pedestrians. Um, we talk about pedestrian walkways. Uh, be, be, you know, I know what... I know this, this uh, commission is not going to get the word sidewalk banned from, from regular use, but, you know, it, it is an, a, a non-inclusive word. So there's just a few places through here where I would suggest we look at the word pedestrian as opposed to walking. Um, on some of the maps you have um, pedestrian crosswalks. Pedestrian crossings would be a more inclusive term. In uh, my opinion, but great report. Um, I was also interested to see the maps, and uh, you do draw around the sports and entertainment centre, and we all know about uh, this commission's views on what goes on at our single most sporting and entertaining centre and the transportation problems there. But um, thank you again. I just want to point out some of the, that language that maybe we can discuss changing a little bit. I'll turn over to my fellow commissioners, uh, Commissioner. Crowley, you're up first. Thank you. Yes, I agree. That's a great point, um, the inclusive language. And it's just a learning moment for everybody because it's such a cultural shift everywhere. Um, I wanted to ask uh, about, I think the accommodations slide uh, addressed maybe two of the questions really succinctly. Whether it's walking or bicycle, pedestrian or wheeled uh, transport needs, we're exceeding the minimum in this proposal for a six foot width from the center line or a three foot from the center line uh, design, correct? So six foot wide altogether. Six foot wide altogether. Mm -hmm which if it was like an easement language, for example, a common easement, it would maybe say something like uh, three foot from the mid middle point or center point. And the reason it just caught my attention and I wanted to just bring it up is because there was a slide uh, where the 7th Street picture example was. And what was interesting about that picture is that there was a ramp to access above the curve. And in some of the diagrams, you can see the the nature of the dot, yellow dots or the drawing uh, from the closure uh, merging away, maintaining that width, and then re reconnecting to wherever that closure ended and continue on. Whether it's a pedestrian or uh, some sort of motorized, any sort of wheels or adaptive equipment that is required to navigate the access ramp, I couldn't tell from the picture, and I, I was um, wanting to know, is the width including an exception 
for where there is accommodation of access of an incline where the ADA ramp, for example, modified, would need to have that width from the bottom of the ramp moved to this minimum six foot, which then needs to be considered. I couldn't tell from the picture, nor was it, it's such a fine detail, but that's why I'm bringing it up, that when that ramp or accessible option to wheel up onto a modified uh, area, then that center line moves away, which can impact how the rest of that map design overall. It looks nice uh, from the larger perspective, bird's eye view, but for the experience of that person to enter the building or to uh, navigate around the construction to get to a detour or an alternative, I just wanted to point out that the generic six-foot width makes sense, except when an exception has to be made for those accommodations to access the point of interest. That was my first comment. That I wasn't, sh the picture showed it, but we, we didn't quite discuss it, and I wanted it to be discussed in the internal uh, drafting of things. The other thing was, um, and again, it was from the accommodation slide, the 25 miles per hour or less during the bicycle presentation, or let me clarify, the shared purpose travel lane slide. I recall in my notes writing 30 miles or less, and I asked the question, wouldn't it have been 25? Was that just a typo, or was there a subtle difference in, it's not the most preferred, and there was an image of uh, the signage, and on the right, it, it showed um, some different signage, and then the presentation was saying 30 miles or less. It should be 25 miles or less, correct? So for any bikeway closure, there must be a posted speed limit of 25 miles per hour or less. The sheets are referencing the typical speed of that roadway. And so, so in that example, this accommodation page, when you continued on, is to then uh, improve the safety by decreasing what's now done to 25 instead of what's typically done at 30. Did I get that right? Yeah, so if there's any bikeway closures, there must be a posted speed limit 25 miles per hour, 25 miles per hour or less. Yeah, and then the last, uh, maybe not the last, but in terms of notice, I understand that seven weeks of notice uh, for, the, for knowledge of a closure happening is what's required to implement change. What about the notice, uh, the, what are the methods of advance notice for the community, for the constituents? Uh, are there um, specific ways to diversify the message that is um, more of an outreach to the community affected immediately by that closure as opposed to a public notice or something posted on a website? Is there more in a more engaged way since it's so, so unique to a particular area? That uses yeah, that so way? the draft policy requires that folks who are developing a temporary traffic control plan let us know of any closures or diversions or anything like that so that we can let folks know through our listserv. However, if you think there's like other ideas that we should implement, we would love to hear it. Not right now, but I will uh, yeah, follow up email you and, <laughs> and provide. I'm, I just wanted to digest that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's all I have. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Thank you very much for your presentation. I really appreciate it. I. Um, 
have some similar uh, or backup comments regarding use of language um, to echo Chair McMillan. One of the things that I've heard your colleagues use in the past is rolling in addition to walking and biking. So um, we're constantly inviting the city to um, think inclusively, therefore using more inclusive language. Um, one of the uh, terms that wasn't necessarily used this evening was, um, is clear paths of travel. And so I think that is also more inclusive um, in light of the, uh, the chair's uh, references to sidewalk and crosswalk. Um, in your presentation, you say the words ADA compliant, but your slides don't reflect the words ADA compliant. And as you're engaging the community and going before other commissions and the council, I would encourage you to also just include that language in your visual presentation. Again, it's just reiterating that this isn't just a policy for those who are walking and biking, but it's for all of our citizens. It's inclusive. We are taking into consideration that there are other ways of getting around and they don't um, always involve two feet and a, a bicycle. So um, again, rolling and um, clear paths of travel. I know that the city had um, previously on the older website, a location that it frequently updated for street and sidewalk closures. I also know that your division is not quite there yet with its new website, um, which I have been told in regards to streets and sidewalk closures, um, there would be a, a way to, I believe, get these alerts um, not just by going to the website, but hopefully sign up for alerts like you can get from Sacramento County's street closures um, page. Um, so just wondering where we are with that in particular. Are we getting closer to um, your division's website going live, which would hopefully have, again, that feature? And then as a piggyback to communication, um, out to the community, that's obviously one avenue. Um, does the plan include using the city's uh, public information tools such as social media, the City Express, um, your newsletters that your division puts out as a way to alert folks um, specifically around these larger construction projects and special events? I would assume maybe an events page would reference how you navigate the space to get to a location for an event, but I don't know if that's part of your policy. Maybe that could be included um, when um, communicating the rules to the event planner themselves. Thank you. If I may, Commissioner Tuzon Boyd and Commissioner, uh, Chair McMillan, uh, I wanna briefly comment on the language that we use and I strive to use as inclusive language as possible in my day-to-day -day life and in my professional world. And one of the things that, and I, I hear your concern about people walking and people bicycling, um, and I'm gonna take that and think about that a little bit, but I, I, the, one of the reasons why we chose to do that is we want to, I am, uh, Chair Mercer's like, oh, Jennifer, you're the bicyclist. And people think of me as a person who bicycles, but I'm actually greater than a bicyclist. I, I walk, 
I drive, I take the bus. Um, and so when we use terms to say a pedestrian uh, and a bicyclist, we're, we're putting people into silos about the modes they use. And what we're trying to strive to do is say that we all travel by these modes. Um, so the direction that I gave Cassandra and generally my team is to use these terms walking and bicycling. Uh, I'd like to find a way that we can find a good place where we can ensure that we're meeting our goals for inclusivity in the terms that we use, but also try to avoid putting people into silos about the modes that they travel in, because most of us travel in multiple modes. So just a, wanted to share with you our rationale behind it. We did not want to be not inclusive, uninclusive. I'm not sure what that term is, um, but just the rationale behind our decision-making process in that term, on those terms. I don't let Cassandra cover it all, but I wanted yeah. I didn't want her to take the heat on that. Uh, I saw the comment at, on the first page about not wanting to put those labels. And um, so I get that. And it's not easy and it's not always right or wrong. Um, and, and your presentation, you, you, you said all the time walking meant people with wheelchairs as well. Um, but I would still suggest that the term walking is, excludes those that use wheelchairs. So, yeah. But, you know, there's plenty of other people with opinions. Um, thank you, though. Commissioner Mercer. Um, I appreciate the efforts that are being made to go over and um, deal with that language. I know I appeared before Active Transportation Commission, which you staff and talked about use of the term active transportation, uh, which is basically something that's not a car or a truck. Um, and I understand that this is going to take some finessing over time, and I hope you accept the comments that are being made by the commissioners over um, as something to go over and work on, because I can see that some work is being done over at this point, and we'll get there eventually. Um, my specific concern over about um, this plan is just... <clears throat> um, it just... I know sometimes even in like with some of the new lanes that are permanently being set aside with the parking and then the bike in between um, for the sidewalk, um, that there's a little bit of a give and take that's happening. Um, I was out there as a pedestrian with um, a wagon trying to cross through um, one of the bike lanes and got in the way of some of the bicyclists. And I imagine doing that, uh, my husband doing that with his wheelchair and how scary that would be. And um, it made me think about um, there needs to be some um, consideration about how all these people are going to be mixing it up together over these temporary lanes and uh, perhaps thinking about having a statement about um, how to pri prioritize some of that. Commissioner Kramer. Yes, hello. Thank you for your presentation. Um, I just want to know, besides the notification, notifications, what other ways will this policy make sure detour, detours are safe to travel through for, for our blind, blind community? Yeah, that's a great question. Jennifer and I are actually researching right now to see what other cities use raised text and braille for their work zone signage, but we haven't discovered any yet so far. So if any commissioners know of any, we'd love to hear it. Thank you. Commissioner Crowley. Uh, yeah, I wanted to circle back because I got uh, excited about um, recommending things thoughtfully uh, in an email. 
with some resources. But one of the things that got me excited to make one last comment is, uh, to Commissioner Mercer's point, we have had in the DAC a very strong perspective that changing behavior and culture of our city comes with education, transparency of thought and uh, being able to discuss things and then having education. So to her point about uh, language that allows someone reading this, whether it's the council, whether it's us in the department, and then however it notices are given, sometimes it's not just the miles per hour, but signage and or language about yielding. The, you were mentioning about the right of way, and that's not a strong, uh, I don't have a strong knowledge base on those um, policies and um, changes that are being made. But I've seen in other cities or in other communities where descriptions about temporary easements allow for the yielding to those who require more time, which falls in line to certain existing uh, traditional policies like um, crosswalk yielding of time when you see something flashing. You know, there's a common uh, habit of people yielding, uh, whether it be car or uh, alternative modes, uh, people with white canes, uh, people with um, guide dogs. You know, there's uh, multiple layers to it, but a generic way to add, for example, in the presentation, in the presentation and language, uh, consideration for yielding to, where you can have an image of uh, similar to like. Um, what I'm trying to express is like a bus stop, right? So there's the sign of the bus that is taught to everyone, that when this flashes and you see this sign, everyone knows how to behave. Similarly, in the temporary situations where it's a, the statistics are so high for the danger of these sudden closures and how people behave, then something along the lines of yielding to those with disabilities or needing more time begins to move the needle in the, in the realm of safety and language and recognition of common signs instead of just a, uh, like something as subtle as a mile per hour change may not lead to behavior change. So I just wanted to add that comment as a simple update um, that may, yield, that may uh, be determined as useful ongoing. Well, again, thank you for being here. Uh, this commission really appreciates the Transportation Planning Committee uh, Department always being here with us, partnering with us, and uh, trying to do the best for our city. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd mentioned about advertising that you're doing ADA stuff. We should celebrate what we do as a city. It is something to be proud of when we're being more inclusive and shout it out. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Yeah. Um, getting back to the agenda, I have to apologize. I messed the order up a little bit, and I'm going to go back. So the next item, I'm going to put you on hold for a minute. There's an item on the agenda for uh, Mr. Gothen here to talk about the uh, follow-up log. Yeah, so just briefly um, regarding the follow-up log, we had a uh, staff meeting to go over the 2024 calendar and projects from engineering services. 
that we have tentatively slated. So I was just going to briefly go over that um, in March. Uh, so it's all tentative, but this is the plan to have the traffic signal safety project be presented in March. It is a nine locations throughout the city that are receiving new, uh, uh, so existing locations that are being um, given traffic control safety devices. In April, we're gonna have um, two uh, sidewalk, new sidewalk gap closure projects, they're called, at um, Grand Avenue in Castanis. So we'll have a focused update on those two projects. In May, uh, we are doing some uh, striping, um, new striping on T Street through Stockton Boulevard uh, to um, remove some parking and put in some bike lanes. And so we're going to uh, presentation on that, as well as all things Broadway. So um, there's a lot of activity on Broadway. There's uh, the project that is under construction right now. And then there are two other um, projects that are on, in, in the project development phase, getting their environmental approvals. Um, and we have those um, draft exhibits that will be presented in May. And that will then take the Broadway corridor all the way to Stockton. So from the project that's out there in construction right now, so from third, essentially from Front Street all the way to Stockton will be um, giving Broadway an overhaul. And then June, uh, we have a project, it's called the Folsom Boulevard Safety Improvements. Uh, so we're tentatively planning to bring that forward in June. July, the Highway Safety Improvement Projects, James Craig was here and presented on um, some HSIP uh, rectangular rapid flashing beacons uh, this fall. He is going to be back. He has two uh, new projects that were funded from Caltrans HSIP 9. Those will be coming in July. In August, we plan on a Sac River Parkway. You um, may have heard there's been some public meetings on the Sac River Parkway. Megan Johnson presented here, I believe, last year. Um, she's um, made quite a bit of progress on that project, and we'll be given the commission update in August. In September, we have the Morrison Creek uh, um, multi-use trail, shared-use trail uh, by James Craig. Uh, so this project also had considerable amount of outreach to the community-specific um, last year. Uh, we are working with the grant administrator to get the... Um, get the drawings where they need to be, get the draft plan and draft form. So that'll come forward in September. And then October, we have the Marysville Boulevard Vision Zero project. So um, Luke Fusen, who presented on 29th and 30th, he's gonna present on the Marysville project. And then 9th Street Bikeways in November. So I just wanted to give you a sneak peek of, of what we decided, what projects would be ready to come to the commission this year. So all that's subject to change, but that's our that's our plan moving forward. So that's a quick update on the fall blog. Commissioner Tuz on board, you have a comment on the follow-up blog? I have a question about the prospective plan. I know it has been the hope of this commission that that would come before us for review and approval earlier in the annual slash budget cycle, so we're not approving it after it's already been approved by council. Um, do you have that on the calendar, and, and what's the 
the thought of when that would come to us. Yeah, so Cessna Foot puts the prospective plan together annually, and I know it typically comes forward in the fall for the projects that we plan to advertise, right, in the coming year. Um, let me, it's in our, it's in your annual work plan. It's, it's, and, you know, so uh, let me, let me uh, check in with Cecil and where she is on the perspective plan. Uh, she does review all the reports that go before the commission and um, she uh, um, takes the inventory, right, on that. So uh, we, we should get that on the, on the agenda because I don't think it has come since October. And so let me check in with Cecil on that. Right. And my own, what I meant to do is just focus on actual projects, not the perspective plan as a standalone effort. But yeah. Um, thank you. Um, moving along, uh, have a staff presentation on the age friendly community action plan. Chair, uh, the follow up log actually requires a vote to um, approve it. And I would also like to note that I have no speaker slips on the follow-up log item. So, okay, yeah, agreed. Um, follow-up log is not on the agenda for a motion today. It was up as, a, as an item, so it's not, uh, it's usually part of the consent calendar. I was gonna ask that in the, in the um, comments log as, as to Commissioner Two's on Boyd's comments. The um, follow-up log does usually have a vote and an approval and I was hoping we could get that put back on the agenda as part of the consent calendar approval of the minutes and the thing but happy to do it today it's just not written that way today yeah so I'll just defer to the clerks on the best way to handle the follow up log I know it it shows up on consent I did want to give a little update on it so does I put it on discussion it was pulled off consent today okay so that's why I didn't do that. And uh, I agreed that it usually is there. It was not there. So um, should we should we put it back? Yeah, let's put it back on the on the. Um, now, what you discussed is is all that updated on the current plan that's available to us. I have not checked. So those projects are all listed as potential. I just wanted to give you months. <laughs> gotcha. That's what I was going for. Right. Be more than happy to, to um, take a motion on the approval of the follow-up log. I move to approve the follow-up log. Can I get a second? No second, no motion this month, I guess. Let's um, make sure we get that in the agenda for uh, the consent calendar for next month. And I'll ask the, my fellow commissioners to review the follow-up log as documented as Jesse said, subject to change, as, as it often is, um, and you, you know, you can only approve what, what's there 
at that certain point in time. Jacob Bradberg, Office of the City Clerk. Um, the follow-up log item is on the discussion calendar. Um, I'm assuming before, I, I didn't put this agenda together, but I'm assuming when it was reviewed by staff, uh, they requested that it be on the discussion calendar so that um, uh, he could do a short presentation. Um, on it, uh, the recommendation is to approve that. A follow-up log does not necessarily need to be on a consent calendar to vote on it to approve it. You can, um, as long as it's in the discussion calendar for a discussion and the recommendation says uh, to make a motion, uh, that can be passed. So um, I understand if in the future you want that to be on the consent calendar. However, it doesn't, it doesn't absolutely need to be to be voted on and, and reviewed. So, um my understanding as chair is that items on the discussion calendar are discussion only. They're never voted on and moved. If I'm wrong, I, I, I'm That is not true. Um, yeah. Yes, so consent items are typically items that um, can be heard in one motion. Um, look at the city council, for example. If um, they'll have 30 different items on the consent calendar, they're not taking a presentation on all of those, they can typically be voted on in one motion. Um, Items can be on the discussion calendar that require a vote, um, as well as a, typically include a presentation um, um, by staff. Um, some are receiving files, some are to be voted on. So um, there, you, you as a commission can vote on this item uh, this evening. On the discussion calendar, thank you. Well. From my understanding, watching, sorry. Watching other um, elective bodies is that the consent stuff is just like we're not going to have a discussion we're just going to like we didn't read through the minutes yep. we just approved them and the consent calendar if we weren't having a discussion about it we just approve it as is but because we had a discussion it was pulled out so then we need to go over and say are we happy with how the consent calendar looks is is kind of how I expect well we didn't get a motion and a second on it so we can't vote on it. Am I correct with that, clerk's office? That's correct. If you're moving on from the item at this point with no second, then uh, no vote will be taken. All right. All right. On the discussion calendar that we will not vote on, or move motion, we have a presentation from the active. Which one is it? Sorry. The age. Friendly Community Action Plan. Do we have a staff presentation, please? Good evening, commissioners and city staff. My name is Andrea Villarroel, and I'm an associate planner with the Community Development Department. Um, I just want to thank you all for having me here tonight to share our, our eight friendly community action plan. So tonight, I'm going to give a quick overview of what the H-Friendly Community Action Plan is, our planning process and efforts thus far, and what we have heard from the community. Then we will look at the current draft, and we will end with a quick guide on how to provide public comment on the action plan using our online platform. First, let's start by explaining what the H-Friendly Community Action Plan is. The action plan is based on AARP's eight domains of livability, which are community features that impact the well-being of older adults and help make communities more livable. These domains serve as a framework that helped us organize and prioritize our work. 
Additionally, the voices of our community members have been essential in determining this plan's priorities and their feedback helped guide the action plan's goals and actions. Ultimately, our action plan is a short-term plan based on the eight domains of livability that aims to enhance the health and quality of life for older adults in Sacramento. In order to develop this action plan, the team conducted comprehensive research on the conditions facing older adults and best practices of age-friendly communities. The team also convened a stakeholder working group, which included 21 individuals with background that provided them with expert insight. We performed community outreach for this plan as part of the 2040 general plan, which involves stakeholder interviews, citywide workshops, pop-up events, listening sessions, and numerous other public participation opportunities. All this work helped develop a community needs assessment, which allowed us to better understand our community priorities. This allowed the team to move forward and working together with the stakeholder working group, develop this plan's goals and actions. Additionally, the team collaborated with staff across city departments to ensure that these actions would be implementable within this action plan's three-year timeframe. All this great effort resulted in the public review draft that I'm sharing with you today. As I mentioned in the previous slide, the community needs assessment helped us better understand our community priorities and also identify certain areas for consideration that needed more focus than others to ensure that all residents in Sacramento are able to age in place. The community priorities are organized into three tiers, with tier one representing the highest priority. These priorities are ranked based on existing supply of resources in Sacramento, the level of satisfaction indicated via community input, and the degree to which they can positively impact age friendliness and livability for older adults. It is worth noting that this plan focuses on short-term actions and the city is actively working on addressing the needs of older adults. And additional longer-term actions can be found in the 2021 to 2029 housing element, the upcoming general plan 2040, and the parks plan 2040. <clears throat> Our action plan is made out of three chapters and three appendices. The first chapter introduces the concept of age-friendly communities. It explains our planning process and details the community priorities for this plan. The second chapter is a demographic analysis of the city with a focus on all older adults. And the third chapter is the action plan, and it is organized into seven sections. Each section starts with a summary of conditions and trends, a goal that represents the desired vision, in a table with implementing actions. Appendix A includes actions that are already in progress or existing programs for older adults. Appendix B includes additional suggestions that were explored through the creation of this plan, but were not implementable within the action plan's three-year timeframe. And Appendix C is the community needs assessment. The action plan has been designed to be easy to navigate and includes larger font sizes to help with legibility for those that need it. As I mentioned, each section 
puts forward the goal that represents a vision for what it is to be achieved located at the top of the page, followed by a summary of current conditions and trends, and it ends with a table that outlines the implementing actions. The actions table details the actions to be taken to reach the goal, a target day for completion of each action, the city department's responsible for implementation, and a reference to relevant policies or actions from the 2040 general plan in parentheses. <clears throat> now let's take a look at our timeline. We released the public review draft on December 22nd and the public review period will be open until February 9. I will go into more detail on how to provide feedback on the next slide. During the public review period, we have presented to different commissions, including the Parks and Community Enrichment Commission, the County's Adult and Aging Commission, and tomorrow we will present at the Planning and Design Commission. After we get feedback from all these commissions and receive public comment, we will incorporate the feedback into the plan. We are planning on presenting the action plan to City Council after the 2040 general plan is adopted. Once this happens, we will begin the implementation phase. Now, let's explore how to provide public comment in our online platform so you can provide feedback on the H-Friendly Community Action Plan. You can access the action plan by visiting the URL provided on the slide. Once you land on the site, you will need to scroll down the page to see the action plan document where you can review and make comments. The platform allows the user to not only leave comments but also view and respond to others' comments. When you find a section you'd like to comment on, simply click anywhere on the page to open a comment box, enter your name, email, and comment in the space provided, then select the comment type from the drop-down menu and agree to the terms and conditions. Once you're ready, submit your comment by clicking the post comment bubble. This process can be repeated throughout the document so your input can be placed alongside the relevant section of the plan. The public comment period will be open until February 9, 2024. That concludes my presentations. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to contact me at the email shown on this slide. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, not sure if this was an old request. Commissioner Mercer, you're up first. Oh, I'm sorry. I... No. Commissioner Crowley. Hi. I just wanted to share with everyone, especially since we have so many new commissioners, the DAC was uh, introduced to participate in the working group very early on. And so uh, throughout the time that this was developed for the public, it was a pleasure to be a part of it. Comments that were made throughout the different sessions that we attended were also brought to those different working group meetings. And so I just wanted to let the commissioners know who may not be familiar that um, a presentation was made, an invitation was accepted, and I participated in uh, those working group sessions. And so during this time in developing this plan, uh, any commissioner comments that were made during our meetings, as well as um, just the general uh, me being present as a representative of our commissioners. Uh, it was a very thoughtfully prepared meeting time, thoughtfully prepared plan, and um, 
at least from the perspective of the working group in general, satisfied with the way that feedback was received. And to make note that things such as language and inclusivity uh, for elderly with disabilities uh, with the goal of aging in place and what aging in place is not chronologically related. So you could have, for example, uh, comments such as developmental delays that may change the chronological needs of a person but still uh, emphasize aging in place. All of those sort of uh, considerations that our stakeholders for people with disabilities uh, in general, um, comments like that were also included in the preparation and I just wanted to share that and good job with uh, everyone's input, not just uh, anything that we provided, but all the input for the different stakeholders and it was a very robust and very accessible discussion in general. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Thank you for your presentation. Um, wondering where do members of the public view this draft um, plan and are there other methods to provide public comment? that don't involve an online uh, platform. And then finally, um, we have two days to provide public comment, two days left, is that correct? Yes. And um, for to answer your other question, uh, we have a paper copy at 300 Richards and they can provide comment there and also uh, Gypsy, they, um, I. Maybe Dana can answer that, but they said that they were going to have uh, meetings at the senior centers, and so then they could uh, provide comment like in person. So, did those, if the deadline to submit comment is Friday, did those meetings at the senior centers occur? I'll find out. Sure. <laughs> All right. Hi, I'm Chantel Albers, and I'm a program supervisor within Older Adult Services that is under YPSI. And staff at community centers have iPads, and they're encouraging sen seniors to fill out the survey, and they're also willing to print it for them. And then at the Heart Senior Center, they're doing the same thing. So everyone has the opportunity to either have the written copy, or staff can also assist them in answering or adding comments using the iPad. So the senior doesn't even have to touch the iPad because maybe they don't know how to use it, the staff can assist them, so. You said the Senior Heart Center and where else? The Heart Senior Center and then community centers around the Sacramento area. All of the, um, the program supervisors were given the survey information and so, um, and we offered accessibility through iPads. Okay. They had them in place already, so that was great. So that's what's currently happening. Okay, I just haven't seen that shared on any of the, social media or anything like that? Does that include the senior center at Sierra 2, South Natomas, North It Natomas? is South Natomas, yes. I'm not sure about Sierra 2, and it also was shared on the YPSI page for social media. So um, we can try to get that to you okay. as well. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, seeing no other commissioners, is there any members of the public who wish to comment on this presentation? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips on this item. Well, thank, thank you very much for being here tonight and giving us uh, that presentation. Thank you. I'm going to mess up the schedule again, uh, this time on purpose. Um, I'd like to entertain any public comments for matters not on the agenda 
first. Do we have any speaker slips or comments? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips for public comments, matters not on the agenda. Thank you. So we're going into the Commissioner comments and ideas and questions. Um, it was at, at a meeting a couple of uh, months back that we, we, we were going to move the public comments to the front of the meeting so people didn't have to sit here, um, people with disabilities didn't have to sit here throughout our meeting if they had something to say. So um, it's not agendized that way. We'll, we, we may talk about doing that. Um, council at the time said it was our prerogative to move it, so I took that liberty. Um, on items not on the agenda, I have two things I want. I wanted to talk about today was um, the the police report um, was was scheduled. It's not going to presentation is not going to be presented. We did get material sent to us as commissioners a couple of weeks ago, maybe not quite two weeks ago, about that. And my, my plan was to um, either talk about it. Read the, read the things and have a discussion here in this forum for comments back. They did offer um, to take feedback, filtered through Jesse, on what we, what we might want to say. We've got two commissioners absent tonight, so what I wanted to get to tonight was, do we want to discuss that tonight? Do we want to um, take the time and read it on our own? Do we need more? Do commissioners feel like they need more time to ingest that information and put it on the agenda for discussion in a future meeting? It's kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about. So um, then I wanted to talk a little bit about the um, presentation to the PPE committee. But I, I would like to hear thoughts on the um, what people have consumed or not consumed yet on the police department information. Uh, Commissioner Tu is on board. Thank you, Chair McMillan. Um, so first, um, I do want to express my disappointment that we had something that was on our calendar. And um, it, however, it got on our uh, calendar for our agenda to be discussed. I know that um, we were aware, we are aware that there are plans to um, implement the safe, Get Me Safe at Home program, for example. Um, I do find it disingenuous to um, be on our calendar and then suddenly not be on our calendar to speak to us. Um, I did reach out to one of our city council members and, and mentioned um, this um, late withdrawal from our agenda. And it was explained to me that um, SAC PD officers are no longer making presentations to commissions due to some challenges they faced with um, volatile interactions at other commissions, but that there is a staff member who is making presentations in lieu of uh, uniformed officers, and I can provide staff with that name. Um, I was also told that that council member would reach out to the city manager's office to advocate that um, a presentation is made to our commission as previously planned. So um, I didn't read the materials. I mean, I, you know, part of this uh, 
effort to engage in all of the departments and divisions within the city is to actually engage with them and getting an email full of material is not the same as um, the give and take that we experience when we're here getting presentations and, and, and discussing programs and policies. So um, I, we could go read the website, we can read city policy. This is meant to be an interactive process and so I will limit my comments to that. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Mercer. Um, that's useful information and part of the problem with having the discussion the way it was proposed and I understand that staff in proposing that we go over and send our email comments to them to pass along to the police department was an effort to go over and deal with the situation that they were faced with and I appreciate that. Um, and it was uh, probably seemed like a good fix at the time. But I think especially in discussions about policing, it needs to be in public. It should not uh, be um, via email. It needs, we need to have the discussions out in the public. And I think all of our discussions kind of need to be out in the public. And I get quite a bit from hearing everybody's perspective here. Um, and that would be missing if we did it that way. Um, I. I, do ha I did read through it and had some thoughts, but frankly, um, I would be perfectly happy to have this um, go on to another meeting, both because we have two um, commissioners who are absent and because I think it's probably a good idea to go over a discussion about the PPE. Um, but um, I, I would like to wait if we can perhaps get a civilian person uh, out of the police department to go over and speak to this. Um, Given what's been going on over and commenting over on this, I don't think they're likely to be facing a lot of hostility, but one never knows. I mean, somebody could see that on the agenda and say, yeah, this is my chance to go over and make my statement. Um, but it is vitally important to our community um, that we are supposed to be representing. And I'll quit soapboxing. Commissioner Crowley. Uh, I don't need it. With anything that's in writing, uh, my personal perspective is that I need to research what's written, understand it, and then once I understand it, then there needs to be a person from where uh, actions are taken on a certain policy or procedure to then help with the nuance of interpretation. So we have the fortune of having staff and having city attorney and clerk to resource the discussion so that we can understand how uh, a public, anything that the taxpayers are paying for in service is understood in the context of how we can all be civil and understand. With that being said, and, and I appreciate uh, Commissioner Tucson Boyd's proactiveness in finding uh, resources, but that also could be part of um, if that wasn't included in the policy, for example, a phone call is a course of action that a constituent would need to do if there was a question. And our purpose here at the DAC is to be able to digest information thoughtfully, which I need more time to do, and then have a way to relay the interpretation of the constituents I represent in my district, hear it amongst everyone. And so I echo the other concerns that we should 
reinvite the appropriate person, and I personally need more time to digest the volume of material so that I can be thoughtfully present to exchange ideas. And the, uh, the nuance of today of um, what Commissioner Tucson Boyd is mentioning, uh, I don't want our comments uh, to revisit the topic, to be interpreted by our, our, those who are listening, to be the commission and the time that we meet is safe. And I feel very comfortable with the way that the city approaches our uh, in-person and online uh, interactions. So, um, so as not to misinterpret, for example, uh, that we're discussing without someone from the department here, it could be construed that the police department doesn't have its safety mechanisms among its staff in place due to some experience at a different meeting. And that shouldn't be our assumption, although it may have been communicated through some way. And so our purpose being here is to hear directly from the source so that misinformation is not um, interpreted erroneously because the level of understanding of anyone, especially those who don't have regular access, something that is audiovisual, recorded, and can be reflected on from our constituents is also important with the right people in place. And then last, I'm also uh, lately speaking a lot um, during my time of transparency. And we are not able to, as commissioners, to uh, have engagement outside of our meeting time. And so I find it inappropriate to, uh, regardless of the intention to be in connection with us, it's not appropriate to have uh, emails transpire without discussion and public comment to be made available directly to the department. Got it. Uh, yeah, so let me be clear on, on some of those points. Um, email is not an accepted form of discussion for this group, uh, never will be. And if that intent was uh, construed, it was, it, was, it was not meant to be that way. Um, when we want to share information with each other, we do have to email it through Jesse to get out, but it can't be discussion st stuff. So, um, right, so let's, we're clear on that. Um, any discussion about this policy, whether we read it and brought it back here, would be held here in this public forum, recorded and um, available to the public should they wish. Um, I like the thought that Commissioner Tuzon Boyd talked to a council member and they, they're going to talk to a city manager. So maybe, Jesse, we could revisit this with some more information or maybe able to schedule this again. Um, let's talk about that. Um, having said that, um, I do appreciate getting the information in advance and I think it behooves us to read this stuff on our own time to be prepared. Um, so it was good information, um, and I would. It is a lot, though, right? And there's a lot of it that we don't. Um, it's not not a concern to us as commissioners, sure as citizens. But you know, the bias-based policy. I would read that. I would read the handling mentally ill persons policy, and the and the, the part that interests me the most was the learning domain for people with disabilities. So I encourage you to read that and we'll see if we can get this scheduled sometime later. Jesse, I know you were told no, but um, yeah. we're gonna come back to you and say, please try again. 
So yeah, they, uh, so police department um, had indicated a willingness to come, um, but ended up de uh, declining and sent me the policies and asked me to share them with the commission. So that's what I did. Uh, so I think I'll, I did not know uh, what you just told, what you just uh, shared with the commission. So maybe I'll reach back out to the context I've been able to establish and, and share what, what the commission's um, comments were. And, uh, and then as far as uh, discussing the policies, is that something, is that something I would agendize? We would agendize if, even if PD wasn't coming to discuss these, is that what we might do if, if uh, to, to discuss them in the open forum, well, um, I guess, I guess so. If they, if we can't get them to come at all, if it's just a flat no, any time throughout the year, um, we could bring it up as a okay. discussion item. So I, I will, I'll reach back out yeah. and share what I heard tonight, and then um, I guess we'll take kind of. Go it is an out annual plan and desires to talk to the police department. They have been here with us before. You know, it's a very important subject for, you know, all peace officers to understand when dealing with people with disabilities in our community that they have some level of training and we just want to, it's important. Yeah. Okay, so um, we'll talk about that for a future agenda um, when you get some feedback from um, who you might. Thanks, everybody. Um, I did want to just touch on the um, report, the annual report presentation on the 7th um, at 11. Um, I plan to deliver the report. Um, I'm not, I'm just going to talk about the report at um, high level. I'm not going to read PowerPoints. I'm going to talk about the uh, bullet points and the things that matter to us, which I think you all know of are the top five things. I'm also going to um, express some disappointment on the... Um, we present a report. We approve a report as a commission. This is our report. It should not be changed after that fact no matter the good reason. So I'm going to bring that up. You're all invited to come and join. I'm not sure how the meeting's going to go, but co-presenters, um, you know, I did hear five to ten minutes. We'll talk until the red light goes off and we're told to sit down. But, um, you know, be here in spirit, be here in the audience, or be here to co-present. I'm more, more, more than happy to... Um, in fact, I might call on you to to give more detail. I'm going to hit the things that matter to us, and, you know, the meetings, the, the non-inclusive remoteness of meetings. Um, even bring up the golden one. I'll bring up the five things that we, we've poured, poured out and uh, try and get that across. So um, that's, I just want you to know what my plan was for that presentation. It's uh, the 7th, the 13th at 11 a.m. here, correct? Um, Commissioner Mercer. 
Yes, I plan to uh, attend at the meeting and um, Terry Preston, um, my husband will be there to go over and speak to the Golden One issue. I will not speak to that um, because um, he's going to speak to it and I'll be assisting him with that. Um, and then I plan to go over and speak individually on some of those um, issues, but if you'd rather have me chime in, uh, I'm happy to go over and do that as well. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how the, the meeting goes. Um, you know, the report is from the commission. Um, if they ask for comments or public comments on it, you, you're more than welcome to do what you want. I'm not sure how they do that. I, I would think that they have to take public comment over on agenda items. Great. Commissioner Two is on board. Um, I'm curious who indicated the presentations are five to ten, or reports are five to ten minutes long. I heard that tonight. I, well, he. he, he I, I spoke with other staff that has experience before the PPE, and they told me that um, it's been encouraged by the committee to keep it to five. So. Um, so an annual report from an advisory commission is requested by representatives of the council to be five minutes long? I'm just seeking clarity. You know, um, what I heard may be anecdotal, so may, I don't know if uh, I mean, I, I saw the Active Transportation Commission's presentation, and it was more than five minutes, I'll just say that. Okay. So, um, I, you know, that may, maybe it's anecdotal, so... Um, but maybe those are commissions I don't, don't know, have much uh, to say. <laughs> what's that? So maybe those are commissions that don't have much to say. <laughs> well, I, I, I do know that I am rather brief. Um, but, but there are, I'm kind of counting on others to be there. Um, we have a lot of um, attachments to our report. And if we wish to go over those, I, I, I welcome that. I'm telling you that my my goal is to hit the five things verbally and passionately, and then we can go through the rest of the report in detail as as we see fit, if that works for you. Yes. Jesse, question for you um, in regards to attachment. Is it possible to have at least one or two of those photos available to put on the overhead when Mr. Preston is speaking to the issue of Golden One? Yes, yeah, so the photos are attached to the report, it, but just for um, just facilitating it, you mean just have some printouts? I could have printouts. Is that what you mean? Printouts, or just put it on the put it on the projector. I mean, we oh. have JPEG. Um. We yeah. So I guess I could uh, like a very simplified PowerPoint that just has the photo. Yeah, maybe not even a PowerPoint. Maybe just the photo. Photos. Just open, one or two photos. I can open. do that. That's not a problem. Yeah. I think um, that would be helpful. And they're yeah, they're in the they're in the agenda packet. Um, so I think you could just call their attention to attachment. That might be actually the. But also for mem members of the public who are, if they're watching online or watch the recording later, then the the image would be part of. And those attachments are in the, they can pull, they're in the report too. Right, but we know our agendas aren't ADA compliant, so, oh, you know. Oh, okay. Maybe. I think that. Uh, Wouldn't be, yeah, that, that can, yeah. We have members of the public sitting there, seeing it up there would be 
better than going online and Okay. Um, are there any other commissioner comments, questions? Um, no, my two subjects now are open subjects. Okay. Commissioner Crowley. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure we're doing uh, commissioner comments, correct? Okay. Yes. So I wanted uh, to just remind everyone uh, that because uh, Commissioner Nikki Chand is no longer uh, on the commission, there is an opening then for the working group for revision to the vehicle and bicycle parking requirements. And it's from memory, I don't have it in my working group, but uh, we, were pre we had a presentation made that same night. Uh, at that time, Commissioner Chand and myself agreed to participate in the working group. So I'm not sure about the working group that she was in. I believe it had to do with uh, commer commercial building consideration, something along those lines. My contact person um, for our working group is Ryan Dodge. So I wanted to bring up that, I don't know who else needs to be informed, but at the there's only been th uh, two meetings. The first meeting, both Nikki and I participated. The second meeting, um, was only myself and the third meeting is being um, scheduled so I recommend at least uh, to Commissioner Mercer and to Commissioner Kramer uh, we are welcome as a DAC as commissioners to be present more than just one of us in general so I believe that was the reason that Nikki and I attended the group that I was assigned to but because I don't know what information she got I just ask for staff help to communicate that back to us that there is a person there's active things happening there's a third meeting poll that's being done for the group that I'm in and uh, because of uh, the last meeting that we had as a commission I don't know that there's follow-up and I would hate the opportunity not hate that's a strong word I would be disappointed if I could attend those meetings uh, that Nikki is supposed to attend and wanted to attend but now it's up to us. So I just don't have that information. So um, I haven't sent out any emails aside from being doing the activities assigned, but if that could be communicated by email to all of us in general, and I know at least from uh, Mr. Dodge that we all can attend, and then if there's a point person, then at least I'm the point person for residential, and Nikki was the point person for this other working group, which I have no awareness of. So that support's kind of needed right now since Nikki's no longer here. And there's a gap of our presence in some sort of meeting related to that. I think that meeting was probably before your time with us, Jesse. So um, if somebody knows that person, but I guess we could go back and look at our meetings and get that contact information, share that with Jesse to reach out to that person and bring that back to us. Um, yeah, I, you, I can. You want you me? Know. I can reach out to Ryan Dodge, mm -hmm. and just uh, yeah, and find out what the status is of the is the parking uh, parking update. Or it's the uh, pardon me. It is again. I don't know what title. Yeah, of the group I, was I, for I, I think I know enough. Yeah. So okay. I think it's just reaching out to Ryan Dodge and saying um, that. There's commissioners that want to stay involved, and so then 
what what should they do? How should they follow up with you? Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Jesse, for having Jennifer Donlan Wyant and um, uh, I can't remember the. Um, Dana Rapon. Dana from um, YPSI come this evening and Sharon, I'm looking forward to hearing from them again. Um, I'm sure those who remember our early um, exposure to the shared rideable policy discussions um, are heartened by um, the relationship that we've developed with the Public Works Department around implementing that policy being of um, a revered voice in um, its revision and continued evolution. So thank you um, again, Jesse, for having them come this evening. Looking forward to hearing more about the ADA access tri um, trail in Sutter's Landing. Um, so hopefully um, we can give feedback as that evolves as well. Um, I did want to get some clarification on e-comments. I know that our last meeting we had two e-comments and a commissioner read those to us. Um, I thought they were going to be emailed to us as well and I don't recall receiving them. So um, can, can um, clerk staff confirm or verify that those are supposed to be emailed to us after the meeting? Or are they just attached to the meeting minutes? Uh, I will speak to that. Uh, I apologize for the confusion. The e-comments are available in the link that is sent to the commissioners about five days prior to the meeting. So when you receive the agenda, that is the link that'll have the e-comments as well. So it's not an actual report that's emailed, it's a link to e-comments. When they are live. Correct. But the e-comments close when the meeting starts and if we haven't gone before the meeting starts to read the e-comments, because maybe they're made during the meeting or like five minutes to 5.30, how do we know what was submitted by e-comment? Again, in the past, they were actually emailed to us, so that's why I'm just trying to get clarification. Okay. I will uh, defer to the city clerk and get back to you. Okay, thank you. Um, I also have a uh, email to read from a member of the public, so please bear with me. <clears throat> this is Stephanie Jones, formerly Stephanie Watts, and I am writing to request a status update on the following items. Uh, bullet one, public meeting accessibility for people with disabilities. Bullet two, city website accessibility. Bullet three, an appointment of a single city ADA coordinator. As you may recall from my previous emails, I am blind and I'm also a member of the ACB Capital Chapter of the California Council of the Blind. My chapter members and I are very concerned about the limited public access of commission meetings as well as access to the city's website. We are also concerned that ADA compliance is negatively impacted by the city's current structure to divide ADA coordination among city staff. While I realize you are not the SDAC chair, I am writing to you specifically because you have shown compassion for individuals with disabilities during your tenure as both SDAC former chair and as a current commissioner. 
Although I would like to participate in SDAC meetings in real time, the restriction to in-person attendance presents a challenge, especially with regard to transportation for evening meetings. The meeting time also limits my ability to safely attend the meetings since I rely on paratransit to get to and from meetings. Thank you in advance for taking time to respond to my request for status updates. Your attention to my email is greatly appreciated. I know that these are all items that are on our um, annual plan, and so I would just respond publicly to um, Ms. Johnson that um, we hope to continue discussing those three bullet points as we move forward as a commission, and I know that um, our staff will keep it on our follow-up log. Um, I will note that it was a challenge, even though I work across the street from City Hall, to make tonight's 5.30 meeting time, just a note. Um, I don't have to drive very far, but it, it was a challenge. Um, and a reminder that we have two openings now on the DAC. Um, the deadline to apply is February 29th. I did hear from somebody who applied for our previous um, opening that she was not notified of the P and PE meeting date that the DAC of, um, not, um, applicants were discussed. I know in the past, before our staff changed over to Public Works and it was handled by HR, that our staff person reached out to applicants specifically to let them know the date and time of interviews um, so that they could try to attend if possible. And it doesn't sound like that is the practice now. So I was curious if um, city staff knows whether or not um, applicants are notified of, of the PMPE meeting and the date and time of interviews. Jacob Bredberg, Office of the City Clerk. Uh, yes, qualified applicants um, <clears throat> that are reviewed by uh, the City Clerk's Office and uh, Commission staff are invited uh, to the meeting with a date and time via email um, uh, prior to the meeting. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we won't get into the name of the applicant, but um, if they were not... Uh, if, if the city clerk's office and staff did not find that they were qualified for the seat, then they were not contacted regarding um, uh, those interviews. They were on the agenda. They just didn't hear about. Then they would have received an email uh, to the email that they included on their, um, okay. on their application. Okay. And I do know that um, in the past, my emails from the, is it from the commission account? The commission's in... You know what I'm talking about? Yes, they will be received. Uh, the, the interview invites are sent from uh, commissions at cityofsacramento.org. Okay. So I know sometimes my emails from that email uh, address do go into spam. So um, I don't know if there's anything you can do about that. Um, but they indicated that they didn't receive the invitation. So thank you for clarifying. Thank you for letting us know. We'll um, um, reach out to the appropriate department regarding... Um, you know, those emails going to spam. Um, thank you. Um, that email was pretty powerful. It's too bad we didn't have it before our report. It says it 
way better than what we can say those issues. But uh, we'll try our best to represent, uh, you know, Sanders' thing. So thank you for that. No further comments. Um, thank you, commissioners, for being here tonight. Uh, thank you for the presentation. Thank you, people who have already left, but thank you for being here. City staff, thank you so much um, helping me along in this meeting. With that, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you.